0: All right, Timmy, welcome to the show. Cheers. Happy to be here.
1: Take a little sip. So, how are you doing today? Good. Just got off work. Yeah. State dinner. Feeling yeah.
2: Good? yeah. Good. 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 Yeah. Um, for those of you who are listening, we're sipping on some nice glasses of red wine. Uh, what kind is it that you brought?
1: Josh, double barrel cab
2: have Cab, so cabernet sauvignon. Uh, how long have you been drinking wine for?
1: I don't know what three months? Not long.
2: Okay. What what kind of I mean I have my personal opinions about wine, but what do
1: you like enjoy about it most? I don't know. I kind of like strip you like caps kind of like the bite with it. Okay, oh, yeah, because it's a little like kick. Yeah, it's like why I like, like bourbon and whiskey too. Like I kind of like they like, get to be like, oh like I'm drinking <laughs> it right now. So I kind of like that about cab, but mm. I mean the flavor alone. And I is it is it the
2: only type of wine you drink?
1: Yeah. For the most part. I mm. won't touch white wine. I don't like it. I don't I do not enjoy it in the least. Not a nice
2: way. little Chardonnay or a little No nothing.
1: Grosses me out. Huh. Don't yeah. like it. Yeah.
2: Have you ever been to like a vineyard and like had any of their wines before? Or?
1: Yes. I went to a vineyard in the Hamptons one summer. Um Good red wine. Mm-hmm. They had like a rose that wasn't bad. Um, and then I ended up drinking cider for the majority of it because they made their own cider too. Yeah, so
2: you're a big cider guy. I know. Big, I cider, guy. Really big cider guy. a <laughs> um, big cider. So guy. what's your like again, what's your favorite tip of cider and wine? Down east. What, fresh, what about fresh it? Fresh
1: fruit, great taste, not too sweet. Nice like tart balance, mm-hmm. different flavors too. The I had the cider donut last weekend that was unreal
2: and to clarify that's a drink the cider like cider, a hard cider, cider donut cider
1: donut flavored down east so
2: how like because i've never had it i love cider donuts but how like how do you does it actually taste like a cider it, donut? it doesn't
1: taste like i was 81 it was so good it was so good
2: because they have like doesn't mike's pastries have like a harpoon um yeah beer, but like, like does that, that is like is because isn't
1: that cannoli yeah but like duncan has one too but like in that sense you're still getting like the hoppy flavor out of it so it's a coffee like with like an aftertaste of like coffee or like aftertaste of like some kind of pastry flavor but down east it's like the main flavor is the cider donut rather than like the cider there's like hops or anything it's, okay. so it's like focusing on the actual flavor that it takes almost more like a tofu kind of thing like where it takes on the flavor like what's around it kind of so, okay yeah
2: um uh, yeah so some tofu that doesn't really go together but you're i I, I, right under, right I understand what you're saying yeah i understand what you're Can saying give me a break here um are there any like other types of like ciders that you enjoy besides down east or is that kind of your main one
1: storm along is great it's a mass brewery okay um i like dry ciders i don't like them they're too sweet and storm along does like extra dry ones which mm-hmm. are awesome citizen cider also the same Vermont. Of Vermont action they do like interesting ones though because like they have the extra dry one they have their standard which is also actually really good mm-hmm. um and they do it with the lake hopper one or you have that one where it's yeah. like supposedly like confused with the flavors of Vermont mm-hmm. well, like- so
2: yeah on their cans they have like it's like super sweet sweet semi-sweet like dry very semi-dry dry. very yeah. dry yeah. like there's like there's that bar graph. That, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking yeah.
1: about? Yeah. That's literally how I judge them when I buy them. I'll go and I'll look at the graph, and if it's, like, below the regular, mm-hmm. like, line, I won't buy it. Yeah. The only one that I have gotten below, that is the ginger one because I love ginger. And mm-hmm. It's actually very good. But it's still, like, it's a lot sweeter than the rest of them, but I yeah. just have to put up with it kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, like, I don't, because, obviously, we're new to drinking, me and you both in our early 20s, but I feel like the whole like alcohol scene has changed a lot like i feel like before it was just everyone drink like light beer and like yeah. that was pretty much it like men would drink like light beer and like cocktails and shit like that women would like primarily really like drink like wine but now i feel like especially in like the 2000s stuff like cider is huge like seltzers is obviously yeah. like rampant like Me and you are drinking, like, red wine. Like, there's NBA players that, like, only drink red wine. The wine
1: club that they have. Yeah,
2: exactly. Like, I feel like it's really kind of, like, changed a ton.
1: I feel like it's a total different dynamic in, like, two ways, where it's, like, now we have, like, ciders and seltzers, which, like, there was definitely ciders, like, I don't know, say 20 years ago there was a thing, but they weren't big. And it became bigger. If you ask
2: cider for a bar, I feel like in the 90s, they, like, laugh at you.
1: You can never get one. You could barely get one even now like cool. it's still getting big
2: put apple juice in a Miller light Lite, yeah literally go. it's
1: like it's like drinking like an angry orchard at that point like just like crazy sugary just tastes so artificial you're like they made this out bad <laughs> um but like think about it, like even 20 years ago imagine like as a guy going to a bar and be like now nah, taking espresso martini yeah like you would have gotten laughed at now it's like every single guy who goes out like espresso martini is a like, staple drink for like everybody who goes out now. Well it's a more
2: sophisticated vodka red book.
1: Essentially, that's, that's yeah. what I look at it. Yeah, because like that's I feel fair. like in
2: college, and like I was like, Oh, like fuck it's a grown Red Bull. man, RBB. Yeah, Um
1: that's fair though. I, I, I never thought about
2: it like that. Well, we're, we're adults now, that's we're adults. Well sophisticated. Yeah, <clears throat> um, but yeah. And I think one thing that also fascinates me is like the whole cocktail making, like, like, so during quarantine, I was making all sorts of cocktails and stuff. And I just, cause it's almost like, it's almost like cooking.
1: It's a science. Yeah. One, like one little tweak to it can make it have a totally different flavor. Mm -hmm. You know, one little addition of a new ingredient Mm -hmm. is a totally different drink. It's literally a science. You know, like if you add too much of one thing, the drink can be awful like you know now like from mixing your own too when you go to a bar if it's not like a well-made drink you know like you taste it you're like Mm -hmm. this is terrible so it's like kind of funny like that like how you kind of train your own palate in a sense by like making them now
2: not only that i think it's funny because if you have a party and you have people over if you're the one making the cocktails and then you're drinking as you drink the cocktails uh. who knows if they taste any better. It could better be or the not. worst one. It could be the worst thing <laughs> you've ever had. but after
1: like four or five of them, you're feeling great. Yeah. Everything but tastes good.
2: Also, people at your dinner party, they might be drinking too, so they might not really realize.
1: True. Hopefully Plus, they're not driving at home though. True. <laughs> we are against drunk driving.
2: We are. We are. Very much so. Um, so enough about like alcohol and that shit. Um, I kind of want to talk about what you do as a living. I know you probably aren't super excited to talk about it, but this is the podcast. So you got to talk about yourself. Um, So just kind of like, I know we won't go into specifics, but just give me a general overview of what you do.
1: So I work in wealth management um, for high net worth families and individuals. So basically I'm on a team of myself and a couple of uh, financial advisors on I'm an associate. And basically what I do is I focus on the client service role as well as like the behind the scenes stuff. So whenever clients call in, you know, I'm the first line of defense, um. Any essentially. <laughs> I like, like how you refer to it as defense. I don't that's like, what it is. Customer half, service or something. It's the same thing in some senses. Like sometimes, like no, I was, a problem. Yeah, with, it is true. And then, like half the time, it's not even a problem. They just yeah. like, don't understand. Well, it, so that, that like,
2: I'm sure people like, like you said, if you're dealing with like a high net worth individual, yeah. like. They might be like busy, they have other jobs and stuff yeah. and they like freak
1: out about this thing and they're like, oh
2: shit, like something's going on and then it's like turns out to be nothing.
1: Sometimes it actually seems like it's the higher net worth individuals that are the easiest going, which I've found. Really? Completely. Huh. Like some of like our bigger clients like are the easiest ones. They, they're, they're like, they don't ever really contact us for anything. It's like a trust thing for them. are like, I know you're taking care of me. You know, I've had excellent service when I need it. Yeah, um, and they just kind of feel good about it. It's like the kind of, you know, lower tiers. Like as you go down, like if you were to break them into tiers, I feel like I, I've noticed more so of like a like emergency now. Like there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Like no, you just you had to click this button. Oh, yeah. okay. So it's definitely I feel like bigger with like lower level lower um, net worth clients. Okay. Um. But yeah, so I I cover all that's like whenever, you know, the clients call in, I'll help them, you know, I'll help them with anything I like physically can. And if I can't, you know, I'll schedule a call. if It's something to do with, you know, advice on what to do. I'm I'm not registered at the moment, so I can't provide that advice to them. So I'll schedule the calls with the- And fair warning
2: for everyone listening, don't listen to Tim. Don't don't take any of his advice. I'm giving no advice.
1: (laughs) None whatsoever.
2: Disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah. This is none of this will be advice. Sorry, all the blogs will be taking this completely out of context anyways <laughs> not are listening. So CNN, that's been
1: I'm gonna be on Yahoo! Finance yeah. tomorrow morning on front <laughs> page. Tim gives advice. Terrible. <laughs> um continue though. But all of the client facing stuff and then like anything behind the scenes. So like, we you know we maintain all the clients' accounts, so, like stuff yeah. comes up that They might not even necessarily like know what's going on, but it's like all the admin behind the scenes and like keeping up with their accounts to keep them in good standing Mm -hmm. so that, you know, they don't have to worry about it. Basically with, you know, wealth management is we're managing all the aspects of their finances and we're making sure that they don't have to. So we're essentially putting the burden on our shoulders so that they can, you know, not worry about it and just know like that we're making the money. We reach out to them when we need something uh-huh. like that they need their signature they need their authorization something like that and they know like they feel safe that their money's being taken care of and it's no like heavy lifting on their part is yeah. the biggest thing with it kind of just you know first class service in a yeah. way that we can kind of like a white glove type business um to make sure that they know that they're taken care of and they feel confident in the services that they're that they're getting um so on top of all like the client stuff it's you know in the background I'll help with prepping any documents, you know, opening the accounts, uh, any money movement at all I oversee. Um, And then, and then it comes to like, you know, preparing for the calls with the FAs. So like uh, I'll be the one scheduling the calls. I know it's going to like be reviewed and, you know, overview the client and I'll I'll help with preparing all the reports. Um, And I've gotten a lot of freedom, you know, as of late now that I've been doing it for a little while where, I can play with the reports and, like, pick, like, I think this looks good. You know, I think this tells a better not story. How long, long have you been doing it? Ooh, 16 months. Not more. Yeah, about 16 so months, like actually. So, like, you're
2: starting your first words. You're not walking yet. But yeah.
1: I, I, I'm, I can, like, kind of walk. now. I'm not crawling anymore. and I'm starting to speak, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's definitely a little bit more freedom, which has been – good way to learn yeah i would say um and i i a couple months ago we were bringing on a new fa into the firm and they tasked me with overseeing his transition that from the start of it i like felt like i was drinking from a fire hose because mm-hmm. i was like there's so much going on yeah like, so many different things and i was still learning everything at this point um because it was like an interesting learning curve coming like into a job fully remote not having the type of training that somebody in my position would have normally Mm had well not not only
2: that just i feel like like even as me being a remote worker it's hard to be fully remote and have and like because you feel bad about reaching out to someone via iam or something if you have a question definitely but if i was in the office i feel like going up to someone being like hey can you help me really quick yeah it's a lot different because you don't know if they're like in the middle of typing on an email where yeah. if you're in the office you can kind of tell you can look over. oh this person yeah. isn't really doing anything
1: you look over at them like you can see it on their face like is this a good time right now yeah like, even, like, sometimes my team's like in the office like i'll instead of sending an email I'll look over of my fa's and be like no nah, no nah, not a good time right now mm-hmm. or like okay and then i'll get up and like go over but like that was interesting because like the way that i was like you know supposed to be trained was working in the office and once i was given a task i would have a trainer i'd be like hey can you come on me with this and they would come over my shoulder and like kind of guide me through this is how you do this this is how you do that so it was definitely like an interesting learning curve probably a little longer than it would have been normally and then i get tasked with bringing this new fa who obviously knew nothing about any of the systems or the procedures they're, for the firm, they're brand new. exactly. And like, I had a lot that I didn't know because every team is different. Every FA is different. They're all doing totally different things. Mm-hmm. Some just focus on, you know, standard wealth planning. Some have. Um,
2: so when you say like standard wealth, but like, uh, that's when I that say that uh, I mean,
1: like a lot of like, so one of the teams that I'm on, you know, like I said, we cover high net worth families, high mm-hmm. net worth individuals. Um, it's their personal finances. Okay, Where, so it has
2: nothing to do with business or anything. Exactly. It's just like retirement, kids. Right. Like they have kids.
1: Retirement. So IRAs. Do you have real estate or anything like that?
2: No. No.
1: no. Okay. Um, we work with like with a lot of like the higher network clients. Like we work with because we can't get like legal advice, tax advice. Mm-hmm. We will work hand in hand with the attorney, their other with, teams, yeah, okay. with their estate planners, with their accountants to make it all like as seamless as we possibly can for them. Whereas like on another one of my FAs, they have a four they have two 401k plans that they hold four companies. So it's all oh, like, for
2: the entire company.
1: Yeah. They like they have oh, two wow. small, small companies that will have like, you know, say 30 employees and they'll yeah, hold all so of amazing. those individual plans. So, like we'll oversee like the weekly um the weekly and the monthly the contributions, oh, um, all the plan docs. Um but like I, I had to oversee That's a lot need. of fucking work Yeah <laughs> It's it's totally different Than what I was used to Because like I hadn't done much With a corporate 401k plan And then when this new FA came over I was like I'd get hit with stuff And be like I have no clue how to do this mm-hmm. Like so I'd have to try to like Teach myself And kind of ask around Yeah Figure well, it not out I,
2: I, I don't know But if you have the deadlines and shit Like Oh yeah I mean stress on you.
1: Everything's a mm-hmm. deadline Yeah in this business I mean it's all client facing the biggest thing like your main focus is delivering the best service you possibly can to the client and keep the client happy with a smile on, your face. With a smile on my face <laughs> yeah always a smile on your face if you don't have a smile on your face they're not gonna love it yeah um, so like trying to learn all of that was tough and felt like a fire hose but then like after a little while different things that I was doing on like the new FA and his book coming over I would start to do like after a year on my other team's book because like it was something new they were doing. And I'd be like, Oh, I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And so instead of them being like, I don't know how to do it, like figure it out kind of thing. Like I'd be like, I literally just did this a week ago. So like starting, you know, with a private bank, so like opening up lending, Mm -hmm. you know, accounts, margin accounts. um, So do you, do you feel like you learn better when you're just thrown in like that? yeah definitely trial versus by fire.
2: like like planning everything out and shit like that because that's how i learned trial by fire that's, that's like, how i yeah. learn is i do it and i mess it up and i say to myself okay i messed that up next time i do it i'm gonna remember not to do that that's just you know this podcast i've kind of just like yeah. jumped in and haven't really thought things out fully but it, you kind of look Learn as you go. I think that's the best way to learn. Obviously, I agree. Obviously, everyone's different. Uh, for example, my dad, he'll plan everything out before he does something, yeah, and it drives me crazy when yeah. we're trying like, to do a task together, whether it's putting together a cabinet or anything like that. Yeah. And so that's just one example, but-
1: No, I <laughs> agree with that. Like I lay trial by fire, Like, and I, I, I'm kind of the type of learner that it's like, okay, give me the task, tell me how to do it once and then let me try it. If you show me how to do it, I will learn how to do it. Visual. Kind of thing. I'm a big visual learner. Touch and feel. Things. Yeah. I've always been like that, like working at like a, a ski shop, like growing up. It was a whole thing with sales and be like, all right, tell me about this. Yeah. And I will know how to talk about it. You know, show me how to fit this. I will know how to do it. Yeah. So it was like with this, excuse me, like talking to like the help desk, or the trainer, be like, all right, just like, I'm going to watch you do it. Or like you just kind of walk me through it. If you show me once, I'll learn. Mm-hmm. Whereas like we used to do like trainings and stuff, like the online trainings where really videos and these scripts and just sh- watching a video didn't ever help me. Mm-hmm. It was like physically doing it yeah. was the biggest teacher.
2: I, yeah. Um, but yeah. So you mentioned you worked at a ski shop. When was that?
1: All of high school and college. Okay. So quite a. And, quite and you a enjoyed place. your experience absolutely loved every second of it Mm
2: -hmm. is do you think uh because your job now is kind of talking with clients helping people through that if you think like you working at a ski shop influenced that as far as people would come in and need skis and stuff and you would help them
1: or 110 okay 100% like my favorite part of my job right now is the client interaction I love working with clients Mm -hmm. like love helping them whenever they like call them like if somebody's like you know nervous about something you help them, and like you can like hear in their voice, or they tell you like how really they are after. Like that's my favorite part by far. Yeah. So of ski shop, I used to love like people would come in, and they they have no idea what they're looking for. They don't. No, no they one does. Even, yeah. even people who think they do. Yeah. Because no there's a
2: lot of. A lot from of science experience, for my experience with like skiers and snowboarders. I'm a snowboarder, so if people mm. can hate on me for that. Knuckle a dragger. Fuck. Yeah, I would But anyways, there's like different levels, and mo- Almost everyone's an amateur. You're really oh, yeah. only a professional if you travel out when it's
1: not this like winter. Yeah. I, yeah. At least me personally, but I mean, I think no, you can definitely. I would say there's like novice, intermediate, and like expert, and then professional. Like have the novices who like they ski because it's a cool little thing, they're doing it because they're like, yeah, it's fun. That's like, me with snowboarding.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I would think I went five times last year and it was the most I've gone. It's so much fun,
1: though. it's so much fun. To be, I mean, it's even expensive. like the amount of times you go doesn't really have much of a say. <laughs> like, I went once last year, I've been skiing since five years old. I just run out of the time for it. Like, I always have like something else. Um, the elusive, yeah, time. exactly. And um, people will come in and like you know, they don't really know what they want or they think they know what they want and having like the expertise of like being able to like, no, this is what's going to be good for you. And like explaining it to them, be like, um, take for example, like people always come in and say, uh, my boots are killing me. Like I bought these somewhere else yeah. kind of thing. Every time they're like, Oh, these are definitely too small. Every single time guaranteed they're too big. <laughs> The reason that your feet hurt when you're skiing isn't because they're too small. The smaller they are, the tighter they are, is actually more comfortable. The mm-hmm. bigger they are, is your feet banging around. Yeah. And like, even though it's like cushion, you're like packing it out, so you're you're feeling the hit of the hard plastic shell.
2: Well, so, I mean, think about it. If sneakers weren't soft and they're hard, yeah. and you're wearing them that were too big, and you're running, yeah, your feet
1: are gonna. hurt. Exactly. And people like don't get that. So, like, being able to like, guide people through the process of like you know, this is what's going to keep you comfortable. This is what's going to make you enjoy skiing. And then like, I loved, you know, people like not knowing what they needed in terms of like, I'd always have the conversation be like, okay, what do you like to do? That was like one of my first questions. Like when you like, go out there. On the mountain. Yeah. Like, park. When you're skiing. Glades, like, yeah.
2: Just go really fast.
1: Chill. Yeah. Be, there's, like, there's all those different pictures. Exactly. You'd be like, where do you like to go? You know, what do you like to do when you're out there? Um, you know how aggressive are you, kind of thing, because then you would have to pick. I mean, this wall of skis was massive. Like you had dozens and dozens of different types of skis. Yeah.
2: And the average person that walks in there probably doesn't know a lot. And then if they see 100 skis or something like that, they're like, "Oh shit!" Oh, you they know? get overwhelmed. <laughs> I don't know what. Do. Yeah,
1: they get overwhelmed by it. So yeah. then, like, you have to like, so by asking them, then I'd be able to say, "Okay, this is going to be good for this. This is going to be good for that. This is a mix. This is what I think you'll love." And then people, like, I would sell people coming into the shop, like, because, like, the, the way that shop is set up is it's, like, a family business, you know, it's it's a, a set of customers that are very loyal. So that so you would, get a
2: lot of repeat. I would see the that. same
1: people every year. So many of the customers, like, people would come in and, like, we would know, like, who they were. Well, they, they
2: wouldn't buy new skis every year. They would just get two notes.
1: Or it depended, like people come in, like it depends on the yes, person. So, like, ski, like, the parents would come in and, like, you know, it'd be like dad coming in the street kids be like, oh, I used to ski all the time when I was younger, you know, in college, like had kids, you know, hadn't skied in a few years. So, I get the kids, you know, outfitted in skis. And then dad would be like, you know, maybe it's time to buy me, you know, get me something. You get them something, you come in the next year to, like, you know, because kids are growing, like, to come resize the kids' stuff so it still fits or get the new stuff. And you'd be like, hey, love my new skis, <laughs> <Or> like <laughs> love my new boots. And you'd be like, I told you, or like from seeing them for so many years in a row, like you'd have people that they'd come in the next year and be like, and I would like, you know, like what they bought or how'd you like them. They'd be like, oh dude, totally different game. Um, but then I think one of the like fun things too, which I literally said in my interviews, like interview for like a full-time job after school, was they're like why do you want to get into this like what was like your first you know notion of it and i will always credit it to working at the shop because i loved one the customer interaction two was going through skis expensive
0: Mm -hmm.
1: such an expensive hobby yeah um people come in and like they kind of see the price like all right i don't know what to do here I don't want to spend this. I don't want to spend that. I would do like a full breakdown of like a budget for them, essentially. People so if like, they said they
2: had a
1: say, I, I don't know what's their, well, what's well, on the low end of the budget, well, for a full setup. up. It, it was more like in the sense where like, say they come in with their kids, right? And they have like, you know, a six and seven year old. Yeah. They're like, we're just going to rent skis. You know, they're growing every year. They're like, all right, you can rent for X amount of money. Like, but you're gonna have to put a deposit down and you're gonna have to do it again next year. It's like, or for you know, 80 bucks more, said let's buy the kids new stuff. It's like, oh, I don't want to do that, be like, but you have equity in what you're buying. So, we had a trade in program. That was like kids could trade in their stuff after they outgrew it, yeah, one year 50% back, two years 25
2: Oh, That's pretty good, and
1: they would roll into that program until they got into their first set of adult skis. So, like. Explaining to parents what, smart
2: by uh, the owners of that
1: definitely, and it works out because you know they trade it in, it goes into the rental pool, yeah. But
2: and then people that do still want to rent,
1: rent, and... and that's the good thing too with it like, where our rental stuff was so much nicer than everywhere else's because it was stuff that was on for like a year or two, and then it would go into the pool, so like we had really nice stuff, it was always known for that, like, you go to a mountain, and it's the grossest, like. You can smell it. It, it oh, yeah! so beat up and so old.
2: I used to do that in yeah. middle school. It was, we've yeah, all done we would, it. We'd rent the stuff from the mountain on like the school trip.
1: Oh, we've all done it. It, <laughs> it was gross. It was awful.
2: Wow. So I still had a blast and oh yeah. You're in sixth or seventh grade. So you can give You don't really through. know enough. Yeah.
1: But then like so then I'd you know be able to explain to people like this is what's most cost effective for you guys right now. This is what's more cost cost effective for you guys down the stretch mm-hmm. so like being able to break down the different pricing of things like being like you know i know you mm-hmm. have a budget here you know this is what's going to save you money in the long run this is how much this is going to cost you in the long run it was like my favorite part of it mm-hmm. so like it's so distantly related to wealth management in a sense but it was like a nice little building block to Mm -hmm. then, like when i went into school like getting into finance you know Mm -hmm. having that little building block of like talking to people about what they should be doing with their money to make it work for them Mm -hmm. was my favorite part of it Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like what was like my little foot in the door kind of thing yeah
2: i'm kind of curious well what would you say the number one ski is that you sold not in the world, but the one that you sold the most of. Doesn't have to be a specific type of name or brand there's one.
1: I wouldn't say there is one. Every company, you know, has really great products that we would carry. You know, you have every company has like its its counterpart to each other kind of thing. So like
2: so everyone has the super nice one everyone has the super cheap one everyone has the middle of the line
1: and like each one of them has like its own little differences like little tech that's in there Mm -hmm. that you could talk about and like somebody who's like super technological with the skis you'd be like this has this material it's going to be good for you know that this has this material it's going to be good for that so when you
2: say like tech what what do you mean by
1: that it could mean like the build of the ski or the width of the ski okay um
2: how does the width How's the width of the ski affect how do you go? I'm just kind of curious.
1: Think about it like when you're skiing out, you know, in the northeast. Yeah. You're some but like skis well, they're, I, they're pretty was... narrow under feet. Yeah. Underfoot. That's good for like very carvy turning. So like up the northeast, like icy rigid yeah you know you got to make like quick turns (laughs) and like that so like and the mountain's not that wide yeah so like narrow underfoot that's really good for as opposed to like wider underfoot a little bit more boaty good for like kind of floating on top of stuff kind of like going in so somebody that likes like the glades Mm -hmm. you want something a little bit wider because it's going to let you be a little bit more playful because it's not going to like be on edge as quick Mm -hmm. you're going to have more play under your foot so like when you look at somebody but who goes out west if
2: you're on glades wouldn't you want something you could turn quickly
1: it depends on the glade. i mean you can turn it just as quick but like something more playful is going to be better for you okay more powder out there yeah it's not groomed so mm-hmm. it's more like natural snow like if you look out west like everybody you know out there if you go and you have like those narrow skis, you're gonna to have to rent like these massive like boat looking things that look like water skis Mm -hmm. under your feet because you have to kind of sit on top of the snow more and you have to kind of like float on it a little bit more so wider is definitely going to be way better for you so it's just like going over that basically what they want yeah and then you know each each like i said each one kind of has their counterpart to each other with their own little like tiny little specks in mm-hmm. between
2: and it just matters like you said from the beginning what people want whether they yeah just are casual if they're more hardcore if they're part totally off the preference of
1: the skier yeah completely so have you ever been out west to go skiing or no no i wish <laughs> only only northeast so far i'll get out there at some point yeah what's
2: what's the number one mountain you want to hit
1: it's mm. a tough one
2: Or just name a few. I've always wanted to go to Vail. Vail, okay. And that is in? Colorado.
1: I don't know. Vail is Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm planning to hopefully this winter go to Utah. My buddy lives out there. I don't know what mountain is near, so I have no clue. I'm not that familiar with anything out west, to be honest. Yeah. But I'm hoping to get out there this winter. That would be awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've never heard a bad thing. Well, I have heard because well, one of my friends, shattered his hip, but um, <laughs> he That's lives in fun. Montana. So um, But I've never heard someone say they'd gone skiing out there and didn't have a good time. And I've no, heard it's, it's I've heard it's also a completely different experience. i was say it it's a whole other world for people. The little, little bunny like, hills that we ski on.
1: It's funny when you realize like how shitty the skiing in the Northeast actually is. Like they always They must laugh on, at us. It's like even like from not even going out west like knowing enough about the industry like you know that like the ski skiing in the northeast is just nothing you so you even with, felt that like at the ski shop yeah everybody i mean it's just kind of like a, have people a of the, there gone out west, oh, yeah i mean like i said skiing is an expensive hobby yeah and a lot of people who have money will go out there because they'll be like yeah i skied out west like to be able to say that they did it
0: yeah
1: um but like even like all the guys at the shop would go like you know they've all gone a, a few times mm-hmm. and like they would come back and be like this is just not even close to as good as the skiing is out there. It's all fresh snow, you know, half, some winters, half the time it's all man-made snow or like what you said mm-hmm. for like months at a time, which man-made snow, it's icy, it's rigid. Compare that to like skiing on, you know, like Mount Snow. I went once and there's like a foot of powder in the yeah. middle of the day. It's like, that's mm-hmm. not exactly what I was going to be like, but like you can feel it's the close. difference of like how much better, you like skiing on a day like that in the northeast compared to like a day of no snow after a few weeks of no snow kind of Mm -hmm. thing so you can feel and you can even know the difference from never skiing out west and know that it's better yeah so
2: do you have any uh i guess ambition or want to go heli skiing at all or anything like crazy like that
1: i have thought about that a lot i'm terrified of heights
2: (laughs) Well, maybe I'll get you
1: over it. I want to do it just to say that I did it because I feel like if I did it, like, that was incredible.
2: Well, you'd have to do do a video of it with a GoPro or something.
1: Okay. good. Yeah. You have a video, of like a GoPro on your head. I think they like record you you do it too, like out of the out of the GoPro, like the jump too.
2: Probably. I mean, I'm assuming it's something like skydiving. That's like what I assume. Like,
1: yeah, exactly. That's what I assume with that you're spending enough money mm-hmm. as is like you're going to go all out and get the whole package like record the experience it's like the yeah. equivalent of skydiving first year mm-hmm. i would say it's that's been- going to be a sick job though <laughs> if
2: you if you are the people that organized that and just took people up and then some i mean obviously there's a huge amount of liability with that
1: well i but... mean like, you sign off on <laughs> liability like you
2: well i know but still yeah
1: no, it's got to be sick. Like, just bring people up, trying to, like, tell them what to do and they're just yeah. in their pants. i like, like, all right, go ahead, brother. Jump so, out of a helicopter and try to land. Yeah. Like, that's crazy <laughs> to think about.
2: So you wouldn't do heli
1: skiing, none of that,
2: bungee jumping, skydiving, anything like that? No.
1: I think it's weird. Being, af- I'm afraid of heights. Mm-hmm. But if I'm on a ski lift... I don't care how high it is. It doesn't affect me. Like, I'm not afraid of it. Is there
2: something about just being on a mountain makes you happy or?
1: Definitely 110%. Well,
2: and I don't, how, how young were you when you started skiing? Like five or six. So I'm wondering if almost psychologically you just have, you don't associate that with heights. I don't know. I mean, it's just me trying to. I like think, think it's like,
1: it it's something about like this maybe it's like with having the skis on, it feels like a safety net and like the snow is a safety net, but I don't know like or
2: maybe also just because did you does your parents do your parents ski? Yeah. So maybe because you were on the lift with them, they made you feel safe. I don't know. I'm just like when I, when I
1: the first time I went on the lift, I was not with my parents. I went into ski school and it was just like me and a bunch of kids. And so like your parents just
2: dropped you I mean, I don't really remember my first Yeah,
1: first you know, time was... I ski, was... they dropped me out to ski school and they like just went skiing with my aunts and my uncles and they dropped me and my brother off. French mom. fry, French fry, pizza, French fry, pizza, French fry, pizza. I think one of the good things too is like with skiing, like I'm not like an aggressive person. Like when I'm skiing, I'm pretty aggressive and like I'll go as fast as I possibly can. Mm. I don't care if I like fall or like hit anything. Cause I mean like growing up and learning, my uncle always tells me is, like if you're not falling, you're not skiing hard enough. Yeah. So like
2: well, yeah, that's with anything.
1: Yeah. So like you can definitely translate that to real life. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think just that's like a good uh, it's it's a totally different like feel when you're out there, plus like it's like a I mean, so like a happy place. Like I feel like content out there. I feel like when you're skiing, like you're not thinking about anything but like what's in front of you. You oh know, yeah, whole, your whole brain just goes blank.
2: It's a very mindless. The mountain, beautiful, and that's all. Snowing there. If there's wind, oh shit! I gotta dodge this little yeah. kid that just ate. Oh,
1: too many fell times, down. Too many times with that. I've hit too many kids too. But I, but definitely, I mean, it's just something about like your mind goes blank, and it's like you don't worry about anything. It's just so yeah. nice and so relaxing. So like you don't really think about any of like the risks of it really because I mean skiing's dangerous. Oh, it's so dangerous. So dangerous, so like, dangerous. you don't consider it. Mm-hmm. When you're doing it. it's like think about it. it's like when you're driving a car, like on a nice day, you got the windows down, listening to music, you're not thinking about like how unsafe it is that you're like driving a car is unsafe like you're flying oh, down yeah. the road. Yeah. You don't think about that. It's because like you're kind of in the zone. Yeah. So it puts you into a zone and you just kind of your mindset totally like flip flops of what it is naturally. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that is the natural mindset it's like kind of opening you up to it
2: it could be. i don't know i like i try to find those tasks not as much as possible but just new tasks like that like we were saying where it kind of you wipe your mind of everything because yeah. i think it is healthy to do that at some points obviously you need to be with your thoughts but definitely there is a point where you can get too much into your own head which is definitely scary do you have any other kind of activities that you like to do to just kind of clear your mind mm,
1: not really i mean i feel like my own like my real like escape for everything was always skiing mm-hmm. i feel like actually driving oh, i love about, like not driving summer. like driving around in the summer windows down music yeah i'll just drive like i love it like i remember in high school my brother and i always used to be like want to go for a ride like yeah
2: did you have a destination no
1: we, town? we would just drive And like wherever we ended up, we ended up, and we'd do like literally like every road in our town, and like end up at home eventually. Mm -hmm. And it was like the best because you wouldn't think about it; you would just like cruise, listen to music. You could go really fast if you wanted to. You'd go slow, like and just do whatever. And that was like the only thing you were within the speed
2: limit. Just to clarify, oh, of course, I would never speed. (laughs) I would never go
1: over the speed limit. Who do you think I am, speed racer? Get out of here, Avery. That
2: is one thing that I just I don't understand
1: speed limits at all.
2: Especially since moving to Massachusetts. Because I'm sorry, mom, I'm gonna say this on the podcast. I go 90 on the interstate. Yeah. And I have and there's no no one's doing anything.
1: No. Everybody's it's, do everybody is driving that speed. I'm getting passed. Yeah.
2: See, I just I've never understand understood grammar never understood speed limit signs why they exist I mean I understand why they exist because obviously you need to have some sort of laws on the road but the roads are also super lawless also sorry I just keep rambling but the US has like very strict traffic laws and shit
0: Mm -hmm.
2: in Asia and stuff where they have far less accidents they have no
1: rules And it's, the rules are pretty much don't die. And somehow that works better. I don't know how. Yeah, but is it less accidents or less reported accidents because it's more normalized? Think about it. There's less accidents. If you get in like a little. There's less deaths.
0: I mean, they're definitely less,
1: they're less serious accidents, but I feel like half the time, like, I feel like, I don't know, this is like completely going off like Facebook videos, (laughs) but like. I, I, see know, so many, I see so many videos like I feel like they record everything like they always have like cameras and like the Ubers and everything they have cameras in their own cars and they record everything so I feel like maybe like a little fender bender like in another country isn't as yeah. big of a deal and like you're just like oh like, screaming at each other and then you leave but like here it's like you tap a bumper there's no damage to either car but you call and report it either way
2: Yeah, no, I could like... be totally wrong I don't know how their insurance... We'd have to get an Asian insurance agent in here to figure out if they have as strict insurance as we do. I'm
1: sure we could find somebody on Google. Call the Geico uh, Hong Kong office.
2: Yeah, you want to come listen to my podcast with (laughs) eight total listeners?
1: (laughs) Eight? You're getting up there.
2: Well, total. I kind of have a funny story about accident. Well, it's not funny. It's kind of frightening. But so when I was in Bali, we were taking a grab car. Have you ever heard of that?
1: Grab car. Is it's like, their like,
2: form of Uber.
1: Oh, so it's not, I, I was imagining yeah. like a zip car kind of thing. Like you yeah. grab a car and kind go. Kind of. But there's a driver. Yeah. Oh, so, right, so it's their um, Uber.
2: But anyway, so yeah, so we were at this club. It's the club that everyone goes to. Um, it's right on the beach and it's really cool. So we oh, everyone goes. Dude, I have videos I can show you after this. But um, anyways, we're walking down and we get this car and we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. I'm like, where the hell is this guy? So I call him and he says that he can't pick us up where we are because that area is like controlled by like the gang. Thank God this guy spoke English and could like explain this to me. So we have to walk like a mile and a half to meet him. And then we get in the car, whatever, it's fine. And we're just like driving down uh, a road and then this the guy is driving. It's pitch black because there's, there's no street lights. Like There's just the headlights and there's a couple other cars. And this moped just pulls out right in front of us. And he hits the moped and just keeps driving. Like there's no. See, that's what I'm saying. There's like, no. There's, yeah. Yeah. And just the whole time he goes.
1: Yeah. Like it's nothing to them. They don't. It's It's just so normalized, I feel like. So like they don't report as many accidents. There's not as many insurance claims. Like it's smaller accidents. Like they like, I don't know, was the traffic worse there than you normally see over here? Mm,
2: I mean, there's more so where I was in when I was in Bali, Indonesia, and everyone rides around on like moped go kart, not go karts, mopeds. So huh. when I first got there, we spent I think it was twenty dollars US to rent a moped for the week.
1: Oh, that's nothing.
2: Yeah, and then I think we filled up gas twice with. He's got, uh, there's guys on the side of the road that just have glass jars of gasoline, and you pay them five bucks or whatever, and they just dump it in. <laughs> oh, You're wow. on your way. Okay. But, anyways so so there's a lot of probably
1: watered down gas
2: probably <laughs> yeah, yeah. some of them too yeah especially americans like oh yeah, they're, like, oh, yeah
1: they're, they're gonna pay for it yeah, they, don't, I mean, they don't know
2: how does the same in the states with tourists going to new york oh people yeah people rip them off all the time oh my god yeah who
1: if you're you're a tourist, you don't citizen know. you don't know
2: not only you don't know who you're gonna go report it to the yeah. cops the cops are gonna be like
1: plus like you're leaving in two days you're just yeah on vacation. Yeah like what do you have to gain from it kind of things yeah. so people are probably like god oh, it's not even worth it point.
2: Mm-hmm. i also wonder if because asian cultures are much more like collectivism like they're more yeah, definitely they're more the whole group goes up rather than in america we're very much like individualistic individualistic i'm gonna go up so i'm wondering yeah. if that might have to do anything with it too
1: i could see it but then i think too like thinking about like You said in Bali where like he hit the moped and it was like, ah, bad. I wonder too, if it's like, if in big cities, if you notice like abroad, if in big cities, like it's worse traffic, I wonder if it's also can be attributed to the fact that a lot of other countries are way more populated in the cities than they are like in the rural areas, whereas with the United States, the suburbs are packed whereas like you can go to other countries where like a, a massive percentage of the people in that country live in the big cities and mm-hmm. then, like, there's miles and miles of no civilization out there. So it's like, everything's kind of centralized into one area. So like everybody's driving around in one area. There's not as many accidents yeah. around the country. Yeah. The,
2: the suburbs have always, I've always thought of them as a very strange concept because I, in America it's massive. And I don't know this personally, but I feel like in other countries, it's not the same. There's not as much of the suburb like, community as there is in America yeah. with the white picket fence and the cul-de-sac and the little neighborhood with yeah. all the houses.
1: I could be wrong, but I think you're probably right with that. I think that's a fair assumption with it. I mean, yeah. suburbs are so big in the United States, where it's like you think of America, you think of like the white picket fence in front of the house. Yeah, one hundred percent. Outside whereas, the city, that's yeah. twenty minutes away Whereas the in a lot of countries, a lot of them probably think of being in the big city mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, I think that's definitely a big parallel between the United States and anywhere else really in the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, so yeah. I think you're right in that.
2: Do You have any uh, aspirations to travel abroad to anywhere specifically, or I've always
1: wanted to go to Greece. Okay. Always, I want to go to Thermopylae. What? What? I don't. I'm not familiar with that. I want to go to the Hot Gates. So, um, you know, movie Three Hundred. Yes. It's like the it's like it's based off your story. Yeah. In the Hot Gates, but like that narrow valley mm-hmm. where like Leonidas and the Three Hundred like fought against the Persians. And there's, like, a big statue of Leonidas out there. Okay. And there's just so much history there. And, like, I love, like, that whole story, like, the meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to, like, actually go there. Plus, like, anywhere in Greece, it's just, it's beautiful.
2: Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, and like- there's so many islands you can go yeah. to. And-
1: I like, too, like, the architecture. It's, like, all, oh, like, the clay and stone. Like, it's not, like, you come here where it's, like, everywhere you go, it's, like, you know, a standard house, you know, the big, tall skyscrapers. You can go to, like, Santorini, and it's, like, literally on, like, a mountainside. And mm-hmm. it's, like, clay homes, uh, like, cobblestone walkways. Like, that's just so cool to me. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to go there. I haven't really traveled outside of the country much. I've only gone to Aruba, Dominican Republic, Bahamas. So pretty much nowhere, mm-hmm. essentially. I
2: mean, more than some people.
1: I've also always wanted to go to uh, Germany and Austria. Um, Vienna would be very cool. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of cool things about Vienna and then Germany has a lot of great places. out with Billy Joel Good. Good Vienna's waiting for me. <laughs> Germany's got a lot of cool cities like I, my uncle used to work in Germany and like he's always told me a lot of stories and like yeah. I'm, my family is German. Mm-hmm. so it'd be cool to just like see it from that side too and then.
2: Yeah, one thing I can't, so I've traveled to Dresden, Germany, uh-huh. and uh, it's, it's a little weird going there, especially Dresden, because obviously, what, what, what was the name of is it the firebombing of Dresden, or what's the name? Do you know what I'm talking about? It was essentially the city that we bombed the most was Dresden. Oh, yeah. And so when I went there, we were in this church, and they were talking about how this church was just had just finished being rebuilt Since the Americans bombed it in World War II. and I remember because we were there with a class, and like person said that who was German, and we all just kind of looked around at each other like fuck, yeah, this is kind of this is a weird dynamic that we're here now admiring this beauty, yet we are the ones that destroy. Obviously, me personally, our country, and obviously we're going to stop Hitler and. The Nazis. Exactly. for good reason? Yes, exactly. But still that kind of thought is
1: well, that's that's scary. interesting all through Europe. I was literally just reading the other day an article about like a pub in a street in England, in London that was like one of the it was like the only building that was like still standing after World War II on that entire street. And some like developer bought the pub and tried to destroy it. And then the, the government. Why?
2: Oh, because be, they wanted to build something
1: nicer. I think they wanted to build a, a hotel or something. Um, and, like the, the gov- like, the town or city government came in and was like, no, they, they, you have to preserve that um, for, like, historic purposes. And they made them go in and re- basically redo everything that they, like, knocked down mm-hmm. to be an exact replica of what was there. So, like, even though it wasn't the exact same, that pub is, you know, technically still there. So, like, even after, like, had been rebuilt, like, -hmm. they would not let that piece of history go away, which I think is so cool, because I feel like in the United States, we don't really have that. I feel like anywhere else in Europe, if you go to these, like, amazing, like, you know, centuries-old places with, like, so many stories, like, in the United States, we don't really have that as much.
2: Well, America's also younger. It's much younger. I, I know it's a very, in terms of the oldest countries in the world, it's one of the oldest, but for example a place like france is only a new country because technically before it was yeah. run by the catholic church and whatever and it wasn't yeah. its own country they so and obviously all the shit in italy and rome that stuff's from the roman
1: empire like yeah. very old and like they have all that there still where it's like but if you look at the united states like before you know it was settled it was the native americans and it wasn't like industrialized in any way but like obviously no. not industrialized because that didn't come until centuries later but there weren't like any big like landmarks that they had no. built like roman empire Like they're building coliseums they're building these palaces like mm-hmm. at the same time that you know native americans were in the united states it was just like a different type of society
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it's like out there you know they still have all those but like, we didn't really have anything that i could think of you know of substance there's definitely a few things no doubt in my mind yeah um but not nearly not even close to anything you're not like it's minuscule yeah compared there
2: but also if people there when they travel to the u.s they come and they see all this new new age architecture and yeah. stuff like that and it is and i mean you go to we live in boston if you go downtown you can see some of the buildings oh, yeah. that are like the old is it the old state house old state house or, yeah, yeah right on.
1: Right outside of, like, Faneuil Hall, too. Yeah, like, that Rockwell whole American. area. Yeah. yeah,
2: I've also, I've traveled to Philadelphia.
1: I haven't gone there.
2: For a weekend, and there's an old corner there with the cobblestone, and all the buildings are still super old. And there's, like, similar to, it's the Freedom Trail, right? In yeah. Boston, there's something, like, similar to that. And, obviously, D.C., there's all that I was going to say, like, that the closest thing that I think like we'd
1: get in terms of, like, an entire city is D.C., just, like, the amount of monuments that yeah. were, like, erected, the White House that, you know, has been hundreds of years been yeah here.
2: but even the white house isn't that old because it was it was in philly it was the original
1: well didn't the white house get burnt down at a point yeah and then rebuilt?
2: The, we have yeah i believe the white house was burned in philadelphia that was another thing i went to was con- no, congress building in philadelphia yeah that was really cool it's obviously where they signed the constitution have
1: you ever been to uh, the smithsonian dc
2: uh yes i have so cool the natural history museum
1: i went to that one in the um um because there's like a collection of them right they, they have a yeah there's there's a bunch of them they have one it's like, like the american war museum i
2: have not been to that that life.
1: one was so impressive mm-hmm. that one was so cool they had stuff from like the entire just Every single conflict the United States has ever been in, they had like relics from it. Yeah. They had, you know, even like pictures or like models of things that like used to be, you know, in the country that obviously aren't anymore, like were destroyed. Mm. Um, but if they're the closest thing to like, I don't know, like historic actual locations across the United States or like old war forts
2: yeah definitely
1: I went to Savannah I went to like an old civil war fort mm-hmm. that was awesome like that was like the one like I walked into like I feel like there's when you're in Europe if you could walk down the street and like feel like you're in like the 1700s or the 1800s yeah 100% in the United States you can walk to something that you look at like when you're looking at it, you're like oh wow I feel like I'm you know a couple hundred years ago but like when you're in like Savannah like you go into this fort you look around on like all you know all sides of you and you're like kind of like oh wow like i'm back there kind of thing like you, mm-hmm. you feel like you're in in like a i don't think, not like a time warp but like you know what i mean like you yeah, just kind of time
2: travel back to that time yeah so like you just kind of
1: like, you're surrounded by it yeah so i'm trying to say like mm-hmm. whereas like you know in most places in the country you're you're not getting that experience at all. No.
2: Yeah, I remember when I traveled uh, back when I was a Cub Scout, we went to Fort Ticonderoga, which is in New York, mm-hmm. and right across the lake, Lake Champlain from Burlington. Well, it's was not right across the lake, but it's on the other side of the lake. Yeah. Um, and it was very cool, and just learning about all that history and all the kind of naval battles that happened mm-hmm. on Lake Champlain and Ethan Allen boys, or Ethan Allen Green Mountain boys. Yeah um there's actually a fort well it's not really a fort now we call it the fort because it was the old fort but yeah. they tore it down there's like people that live there now and stuff but there's a watchtower there mm-hmm. and it's in the town where i went to high school uh so just going driving by that every yeah. day now i just kind of think of it as oh that's just there but
1: we went to the old watchtower top of blue hills in milton like you mm-hmm. have that and then like
2: was that
1: a war? I don't think so. I think it was just, like, a look was at tower. Was it a fire? Fire
2: tower? I don't know what it That's
1: was. That's a really weird concept well, to me. There's like, That is weird, but, I mean, <laughs> then again, it's like they didn't have phones at points to cars Oh, yeah, that. I know, but... If it was a fire they'd like <laughs> give a fire and he's looking around for, like, smoke coming out of, like... Because <laughs> by the time then, it was, like, if a house... Like, now, if a house is on fire, like, you know, you rarely see, like, an entire city block burn because of a fire like now like you get there they get there quick enough they have the equipment to put out that house Mm -hmm. back then like you couldn't get a fire department there like if there was one yeah and an entire block of houses would be on fire so like standing on top of that tower you're gonna see smoke Mm -hmm. so that's probably why it was there but like uh wachusa mountain has a couple little watch towers that were like watch like four watch like i think like during the war Okay. Scattered in the woods. Mm-hmm. so like there's like trails that you can go down, and like literally right off the side, you can hop off, pop your skis off, and it's like a little stone tower that just like has a good view. Like that's how you see it, but like it was a lookout tower mm-hmm. to see like if anything was coming.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just can't imagine being that guy that job is just to because they had the different fire towers I've been to, they have little shacks. Have yeah. Like one guy, assuming. With live, I'm sure they did different yeah. stations and posts right. and stuff. We just live. You wake up, walk up to the top of the fire tower, make sure there's no yeah. like you're just no smoking, smoke. All right. right? So, I mean, it's the same as the lighthouse people that
1: live, live yeah. in a
2: lighthouse. It's a wild. That would life. be so cool. What to be that guy or just live in a lighthouse? I live in a lighthouse. Like Ron, Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Is that is that Anchorman too? I think so. When he goes blind and Anchorman too. <laughs> Yeah, or Anchorman. That, what did that say?
1: You said Anchorman too. Oh
2: okay. Yeah. I thought I said wrong. Yeah, he goes
1: blind. See. He's living in the bottom of the of the lighthouse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a remember the movie um years, mine, and ours?
2: No. What is that? It was that? It's like
1: with Dennis Quaid. And uh like he has like seven kids and he ends up like getting engaged, like his high school sweetheart, mm-hmm. who has like eight kids and they live in like a lighthouse. Jesus. Like a house underneath a lighthouse. Me personally,
2: I would that would be torture 15 kids and you're
1: living in a lighthouse i mean they had a huge house off of it like the lighthouse was off the roof oh uh, okay it's a so massive just, house okay. with a lighthouse like on it but like some lighthouses are like that yeah. and then other ones are just like there's a little room inside it at the bottom of like that tall cylinder yeah of a building like <laughs> that i couldn't do that no way no too small probably no insulation. Yeah. Let a fire. That's your heat. (laughs) In the summer, you're you're probably dying.
2: That's one thing that's crazy to think about is that I mean up until when would you say 60s or 70s, there's no form of heat. The only heat you could get is fireplace. Fireplace. You'd have to chop wood, find wood.
1: Yep. You had to know how to light the fire because it's not like they had dirt flame logs in a lighter. (laughs) You had to like actually physically like spark.
2: Well, that's that's not that bad. Well, I mean, if you didn't have matches or anything,
1: you, yeah, I'm talking about like, like Flint and like trying yeah. to like just get a spark have that you ever tried to do that. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's not easy. it's it's no. a legitimate skill. Like it takes a lot of technique to do mm-hmm. it. Like it's it's not an easy like we take for granted, like if I'm gonna light a fire, like a fire pit outside at the back of my house, yeah, I throw a dark flame log and grab the lighter, light the corner of it, and all of a sudden I have a huge fire.
2: Yeah, or not of that, the way I'm like I I don't use those dirt flame logs a lot, but I'll just use kerosene or lighter fluid and just- yeah go like this light a match and drop it it
1: yeah it's just too easy (laughs) it's so easy now like we can just do it like that it's like imagine like being in like the 50s
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: all of a sudden like that being an option you're just like whoa yeah Yeah. like having like going from actually sparking a fire to be able to just like click a a light and and then all of a sudden you've got a fire burning the rest of the night and you're good
2: no that now there's like for example in this apartment we don't have any sort of like heat fireplace or anything we just
1: yeah. get heat have a heater or central air yeah we literally hit a switch and we regulate the temperature to whatever we want it to be yeah it's crazy to think about
2: central air is one thing that i we were fortunate enough to have it in my household growing up but it's yeah. just something that's so strange like concept-wise just making the rooms inside of something colder because it's hot outside <laughs>
1: It's just such like a privilege or something.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because you think about not only the people that live before us, but the people in the world that don't have access to something like that. And we all bitch about something being because oh it's eighty degrees out. I need to
1: turn the AC on because I'm sweating sitting on my desk typing. (laughs) In that same breath, what I've always thought about is like what it would be like to not have like a fridge and a freezer. Like on a hot day, like imagine not being able to like pour a drink <coughs> and like get ice for it, like just trying to get drink everything room temperature. Cold like glass of water. Just so, something we have so to small. Our
2: meat in the ground. Yeah,
1: something so small to us right now, but like so it would be like the biggest thing in the world to somebody like years and years ago. Oh yeah. And like, imagine trying to like do things where they did it now. Yeah. Wouldn't be possible. Yeah,
2: and not only that, I just think of stuff that we think is really hard now that it's so easy then six well no six, not like that but sixty years from now people are gonna be like oh people struggled with that like i don't know what exactly that is you but, mean they
1: couldn't teleport they had to drive yeah you, you had what? to
2: drive you couldn't
1: just you couldn't click a button on your watch and just yeah. transport to tahiti that's to, that's crazy or you had to drive your actual car yeah like you, you had to physically control the car what that's even becoming a thing now yeah like a self driving car. Yeah. I don't the, trust that. Now? No. People, people
2: didn't trust the television. It takes time. It's a very
1: different concept.
2: i say. Maybe it's just. Obviously, you know, I, obviously I like, it is a different concept, but it's the same. It's the fear of technology. People
1: well, it's the not fear, the, fear the fear of technology. technology. I, I have, like, I fear the lack of control. Well, yeah, but that's the. Like with a car, like a self driving car, like having. No real control over it, like, yeah. I feel like I'm putting my life in something like a, a computer's hands where I could put it in my hands.
2: Well, you, I'm just gonna tell you this now you essentially do that with airplanes. The pilot doesn't do much,
1: I mean, yeah, that's fair, but
2: it's, it's it is a lot different because you could have been, control, yes. And you've been driving your entire life, yeah. and it's been one way. Self driving cars now, obviously, even the people that make them for a living and do the software will tell you that a human driver is safer than a self-driving car.
1: But I mean, that's all... Eventually. Yeah, at a point, it's going to be the opposite.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if we'll see it in our lifetime, especially because that's going to be a huge political... People are going to argue... People are going to... Because I can especially see like younger people saying, you shouldn't be able to drive cars because self-driving cars are safer than... Yeah. And I would kind
1: of agree with that. A computer can't get drunk.
2: Yeah, exactly. I would agree with them, but then I'd
1: also say, but
2: I like to drive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen the show Upload on Amazon? No. That, like, freaks me out. So it's like, he, I'm just going to spoil the show. I don't care. He, well, like... no, no, no,
2: <laughs> All right, never mind. No spoiler alerts. Never mind. All, All right, right now part... tell it, tell it, tell know. it, tell it.
1: He's like in his self-driving car, but somebody like hacks into the car to crash and kill mm-hmm. him. It's like nobody can hack me, but you can hack a computer.
2: Yeah, but most cars today, someone could really hack. Also, te- also yeah. to argue that Teslas are unhackable
1: until they're hacked.
2: I'm just there's there's literally I forget the reward you move it but there's some cash prize reward if you can hack a Tesla and I think it's at a hundred grand I could be completely wrong it could be like ten Let's grand or something. Let's learn
1: how to hack a Tesla. No
2: one's ever done
1: it. Let's learn how.
2: I mean, I do would... you know how to hack anything besides the? Can you pick a lock? I feel like that's the first. I can thing. take a lock. I can take a lock. Well, I feel like that's the first step.
1: I can reset a password on my phone.
2: Well, I would hope
1: most people can do that. It's kind of a form of hacking. Is it, though? You surpass the security system and just pick your own new login credentials.
2: Um, but it allows you to. You're not doing anything that the software doesn't allow you to. Yeah, it's like hacking light. Hacking light?
1: Yeah, the light version.
2: Oh, oh I thought you meant like. Light bulb.
1: I'm gonna hack the light, all the light in the world. I'm gonna hack the sun.
2: How does that work? <laughs> Harness the energy of the sun.
1: It could be like Firebender and Avatar. Yeah. Just pull the fire.
2: That's that's one thing I'm looking forward to. Is when we finally, when the humans figure out how to create essentially free energy, free limitless energy.
1: I don't think it's that far away.
2: I don't think it is either, and I'm very curious. Just like how the world's gonna look after that?
1: Like, will everything be solar?
2: I don't. And I don't think. I don't think it's gonna be solar. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be them figuring out, like, put the whole. What I don't know. See, this is where we need someone who's good at science. But they essentially they blast atoms science. at each other
1: and it create. It so it's like, like nuclear fission. You make your own energy. That yeah, point.
2: and like I think something like that is gonna happen. So like or maybe you, solar. So like they'll, make, solar they'll make an solar, energy recipe. Essentially, essentially yeah, because solar is so you harness so little using the current solar panels. You harness so little energy that's actually produced by the sun.
1: They're constantly working on solar panels. So oh like yeah. Maybe, exactly. at, maybe at a point they'll have a solar panel that like is incredibly effective. Oh yeah. And like can harness you know days of energy. You know how much can a solar solar panel like harness right now? couple hours i i i Pro- probably no more than like a day i bet
2: well i mean there's solar. so for example there are solar panels on um my father's company's roof and that powers i think as of now it powers both the company, which is like a manufacturing company, so we a bunch of machines and computers and all that shit. It's a lot of energy used, And our house. And then the, the grid pays us huh. for that, for extra energy, too. And I think that's, yeah. it's paid off, I think it pays off in a couple of years. Like, we're trying to... Yeah, because well, yeah, it's like,
1: it's a big upfront cost, probably. Yeah, like yeah. Well, getting it all started. And
2: that's another problem is... Is that something like that is only available to people that have the means to us living All in apartment, like, Yeah. All like these us, amazing
1: alternatives are so expensive. It's so, like nobody's doing it because we don't have the cash yeah. to do it.
2: For example, us living in an apartment, renting, we can't put solar panels on our windows or like on our roof. Our yeah. landlord has to do that. Yeah. And, if, and the landlord's not good, probably really going to care A whole, I mean, hopefully, some of them do,
1: but. But realistically, most, they're not paying for it really. We're paying for it. So they don't care. Exactly. They're getting the income off it. So they're like, why would we save money? We'd be making less yeah at that point.
2: It's all about incentive structures. People are only going to do things if they're incentivized to do it.
1: No, it's all the opportunity cost of it Hmm? completely.
2: Okay. Well, I think we've talked a good amount here. We have. How long do you think that was?
1: I don't know. What time do start? I have no
2: idea. 8.07. I think that's close to an hour.
1: I think that's about an hour. I think do we you started want, like right at 7.
2: Do you want to keep going? or you got everything off your chest? Up
1: to you. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> Pick a topic. Let's go. I
2: don't know.
0: Okay.
1: What's your favorite kind of music?
2: Favorite kind of
1: music? Why do you like music? Why do you think people like music? Why do you think I like music?
2: Huh. I would say, th- so yeah, I mean, if you want to get in a really baked conversation, there's something about. Not music- even baked. <laughs> no, I know. There's something about music that unlocks your brain, I think. It's mm-hmm. very similar. Well, because obviously there's notes that make you go, Ooh! like it can affect yeah. your mood. Like I've cried to songs before. Yeah. Obviously, I was upset, but I. Or like It amplifies I like, the emotion exactly that you're already feeling, and I think there's something about just someone else's voice. And I was kind of feel this with podcasts, because it's someone talking to you, mm-hmm. and the fact that you can't see it, I think helps it a lot too. Um And it's just there's something about because I mean even not in music, you hear certain sounds and it mm-hmm. soothes you. Oh yeah, like. For example, like a fan or yeah, like
1: white noise trying to slip. Yeah, I know no, you slip. like
2: clocks that tick tick, which is psycho, but yeah, there's definitely the minority with that one. Yeah.
1: There's like people like waves crashing, rain. Yeah.
2: yeah. So there's something about just our ears and we're tuned to like certain noises. And then honestly, I think it's a great art form in in the fact of storytelling. Mm-hmm, um, I think it started with obviously storytelling around a campfire music around a campfire passing on stories from older older generations and then it just kind of like evolves from there from when you get someone banging like a stick against a rock singing around a campfire Mm -hmm. to like
1: building a guitar
2: Yeah, building a guitar and then creating beats on and then piano, or you have Billy Joel doing his thing. And then obviously, now you get into rap and shit.
1: I feel like music too, it relates to like the conversation earlier and the fact that it can be like an escape. You can put an album on and like totally go blank and only focus on that song that you're hearing. Mm -hmm. I once heard an artist say that he makes music just so that if you listen to a song for like a couple seconds, you can just forget about everything. Mm -hmm. and like escape to a new world like new world is that song
2: oh you can the the different like worlds and moods and feelings you can create with albums especially songs it's a little harder just because it's only a couple minutes um but if there's just so and there's literally albums If i'm feeling shitty i'll just play an album i'll feel like
1: amazing like if i'm in a good mood i'll play an album to amplify my album or to my mood. Yes, exactly. It's funny, like, if you think about it, though, like, do we do anything without some kind of music? Like, for the majority, like, if you think about it, drive a car, you listen to music. Mm-hmm. Go to a restaurant, there's music playing in the background. Probably, it depends on the restaurant, but most, most places, even if it's like a very faint, like, just a yeah. like, lyrical note, you go to a bar, there's music playing. Oh, yeah, 100 You hang out with friends, chances are you're listening to music. Yeah. Like, you're drinking in the apartment we're listening to music yeah it's just like such a big part of our lives it's like almost like something in the background that like you don't even notice sometimes but then like obviously you hear one like you could hear like one note of a song like you could not even think about the song that's in the background all of a sudden you hear the first note of a song and all of a sudden like, everyone's like whoa yeah like you totally change like well, I mean, it hypes you up yeah like-
2: we've both been in situations where we're doing something and everyone's just not really talkative and we're just kind of hanging out and then you hear a song and you everyone kind
1: of perks out but then yeah really like, people like start singing like yeah you know, it changes like, the it changes the mood of you completely it changes the mood of the situation the person yeah. it's music's awesome I love music it's just like such an interesting like I was watching a documentary like somebody making their album the other day it's like crazy like that somebody has like unlocked that much of their mind that they can just like sit there. And like think of a sound and like work at it and like create it. Then all of a sudden, like it comes fruition. Like on like a song that you would listen to, like you mm-hmm. know, on your phone in the middle of the day, like that started as like sounds like like humming. Mm-hmm. And then, like, oh, I like the sound of that. And then like they like one word of a sentence, then that turns into an entire chorus. Yeah, like that's just crazy to me that somebody like is physically and mentally able to do that.
2: Well, that I mean, that's all I think about. Yeah.
1: I, well. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, me and you could create some, some song. I mean, I, and obviously, again, it's like, not gonna be a good one. Well, that's what I mean. Is it's just like anything. The first time you do something, like this podcast, probably sucks. My last two probably suck. The next hundred are gonna suck, but I'll get good at it eventually, and it's gonna become something. Yeah. Bigger and so be, like it, awesome. Yeah. So I'm. It, I feel like it's very rare. Like i mean honestly michael jackson was a like star from when he was a yeah. kid and there's different like avenues like some people are just gifted yeah but then even those gifted people like someone like dr dre he was doing it since he was 16 years old
1: it's funny though he's he spe- but he had he
2: grew up listening to all this music and then played like,
1: off it yeah it's funny when you listen to artists talk to and like They'll talk about like their old songs and they'll be like, oh, that sucked. Exactly. But like yeah. to Ashley, like, that was awesome. But like to them, it's nothing compared to like, what they're doing now because mm-hmm. like they've progressed so much and like their style is like matured in a sense.
2: Well, not only that, if you're an artist that has any sort of staying power for say a 10-year run, yeah. Your album that comes out in year one versus year 10. Is going to probably sound completely different
1: just because oh, you're a completely different person.
2: There's no, way, you can't go from age say 21 to 31 and still be the same. It's impossible. Kanye. Yeah, exactly. There's a, that's, look at the early albums to now. Like, yeah, I, you couldn't even, if you took like, if you took all of this, if you, you just listen to like the two beats, yeah, you be, like, is this the same person? Like, honestly, yeah. production and stuff has gotten crazy.
1: Machine Gun Kelly, yeah, like, terrible rapper, all of a sudden, like, one of the biggest rock stars in the world right now, yeah, like, from a one album switch, yeah, like, and, just decided and, to like change everything up,
2: yeah, it's because he ch- probably changed as a person and he changed his genre,
1: yeah, it's crazy. I don't have that kind of talent.
2: You do. Everyone has the same amount of talent. I don't Except have that musical talent. So people harness their talents in different ways. You I don't, don't have. am a big
1: believer in that. I will agree with you in that, but I definitely don't have the musical talent. That would be cool. Well, I think.
2: So you might not, but I feel like if you like dedicate your life to it you could become somewhat of, like, a musical artist. Do you know what I mean? I don't think so. Like, if you quit your job and just worked at it, like, Monday through Sunday, like, that's all you did. Because that's what a lot of these
1: people do. I just feel like with music, like, it's an art. Like, everybody, like, like you have a gift of some sort. Oh, well, you
2: definitely need some sort of gift.
1: Well, I'm sure, like, any of us could, like, make music. Yeah, like, if you focus on it, it doesn't mean it's going to be popular music. It doesn't mean it's going to be a top seller. but, like, anybody could physically do it yeah no doubt if like sat in your room for a couple weeks and just like played around in a garage band like you could make probably a pretty cool like beat for a song yeah you could probably come up with some decent lyrics that like would make sense to you but maybe not anybody else yeah and then if you ever try to put it on itunes you could get absolutely no listens or anything well, like
2: yeah let podcast yeah <laughs>
1: yeah fair fair not yet though not it's, yet. Like, we're we're, building. it's like we're we it's like we sit there we're like this is awesome we're doing this but then like to everybody else it's like i can listen to x y and z and i'm going to enjoy it more yeah i think
2: well yeah i always wonder about this with artists and stuff is that like for example this podcast i'm more doing this for myself i don't really care if anyone else listens i yeah. just kind of want to do this to talk to interesting people yeah and I wonder how much, like for example, like someone like Kanye and someone like Tyler the and someone like Jay-Z, do they care? Like, obviously, you love your fans because they're someone that idolizes you and yeah. gives you all this money. But at the same point, are they making art more for them just because they think it sounds good? Or do they actually think... Like and obviously there's a performance artist like someone like Drake is very marketing driven. Yeah, and like, kind of like does what he thinks will, people will like.
1: I think Kanye was a example. Whereas like in the earlier albums too, I feel like Kanye was definitely doing it for marketing driven. But like the past a like couple albums, mm-hmm. I feel like they're for Kanye. Well, especially Yay. Ye. Yeah, like that is for him. He Ye wanted to make that. He made him. that exactly how he wanted. Mm-hmm. I don't think he really thought about like how it was gonna be perceived.
2: Yeah. And going back to that, I, Tyler, I, the creator had a quote after that album came out. And he said that that, that album was the most Kanye album. And like, he loved it. Yeah. And obviously, like, he knows, like, My Beautiful to Star Fans. Yeah. That a better album than that album. But he was just saying that it was the most, like, him yeah. at
1: that point. It was most him album because he did it for himself. Yeah. Like, he did, he did what he wanted, not what, like, he thought fans would like. Yeah, kind of thing which is like I feel like too with a lot of music now it's like so driven by what fans will like but you can tell when somebody puts out something that they like that mm-hmm. they did for themselves like and they'll, they'll promote it that way too yeah because a lot of people will listen well that's the other thing a lot of people will listen because the artist is like I did this for me and then the fans are like oh my god like I love Kanye like this song's gonna be incredible because it's like from his mind Yeah, kind of thing like it's, it's just what he would have wanted to hear Kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I could definitely see that. Well, music's crazy, man. It is, it
2: is, and it's it's kind of weird to think about where it's going and how much TikTok influences it.
1: It's, I mean, it's because like a song. Songs I would have never heard ever. No. I mean, or songs leader, that came out years before, yes, that were like not perceived very well. All of a sudden, they're on these TikToks, and all of a sudden, it's one of the biggest songs, yeah.
2: So, I'll give you an Savage example love. of what Savage Love, yeah, exactly. And then, um, Joey Badass, who I love, I've been following him for a while. One of his songs got picked up on TikTok. It was a single from, like, 2015. I had never even heard of him. Right. I literally... I was listening to his mixtapes, like, before, like, back in, like, middle school. Yeah. Like, no one had heard of him. Yeah. I mean, I was... Right. Like, so I didn't know the single, and I was listening to an interview, and he said, like, yeah, I've made, like, a couple hundred thousand dollars off of people playing that song the last month it's just from these. TikTok. Yeah, And that that's, like crazy to me
1: i think it's always a funny feeling too like you've been listening to an artist for so long and Mm -hmm. then like they all of a sudden become so big for some reason and you're just like sitting there like yeah i knew like i I knew about this for a while and then like all of a sudden tiktok picks up a song this artist becomes like a big deal and you're like Mm -hmm. where were you guys like i already knew this yeah like i've heard this song years ago when it came out in 2015 yeah and now it's 2021 and everybody thinks it's like amazing yeah, kind of thing.
2: Like, but well, I mean, I'm sure our parents feel the same way when I'm home and I'm like, have you ever heard this Rolling Stones or like Elton John song? Yeah, like, yeah. no shit, I- Avery.
1: I was like down the Cape a couple weeks ago, and I literally put, uh, I-, I, I was like on Ox and. I was just playing 80 songs. Like, my, yeah. my parents and my uncles were just like, holy shit, like, I haven't heard this in year. How do you know this song? I was yeah. Like, it's a classic. They're like, what? Well,
2: and then not only that, I mean, there's songs I'm sure you have them too that you just listen to so much as a kid and you hate. Yeah. And then, so I'll play like one of those songs, but like for my mom, my mom will be like, turn that off. Like, we always listen to that, like high school parties. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, to that
1: right yeah that's fair. That's definitely fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny too to think about like, how we listen to the music that our parents listen to at our age now. We're like, oh, also classic. What's it going to be like for, like when we have kids and like all of a sudden they're listening, are they going to listen to a song we listen to today? And they're like, oh, that's a classic.
2: Yeah. And I have thought about that a lot because most of the songs that I listened to growing up were, did not have the greatest messages as mm-hmm. far as towards women, like the vulgarity, yeah. like, Violence. First like, rap
1: album I ever had was uh the Eight Mile album by Eminem.
2: Yeah, and like, like so if I mean and obviously I'm not like discrediting hip hop. It's my favorite genre of all time. Yeah, like by far, i not even close. But should I mean I was listening to it in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Yeah, should kids that age be listening to that?
1: Well, I think it's interesting too mm-hmm. with. I've personally noticed, especially with hip hop and rap, in terms of the message that's there. Like a couple of years ago, like when we started listening to it, it was like all about like just vulgarity and like just this crazy, like chasing like money, girls cars. Yeah. Like, now I feel like songs are like in those genres, like becoming more like meaningful messages behind them. Yeah. Like the artists are like transforming it into like more of an art, which I feel like is probably the way that people viewed like rock. You know like the 50s and 60s like before like or i could have the decades wrong but like you know a lot of songs that came out and like our parents parents were like oh this song is so like ridiculous. yeah like, mean, elvis vulgar. was
2: thrusting his hips yeah like and now you got cardi b and meg <laughs> sound Walk. Walk. like yeah
1: like it's just it's gonna be interesting like when we're all, like what's it gonna be like like what will music sound like what will be the classics like what's viewed as like oh that song's vulgar this song like has a really good message to it like what what will it be and it's like what artists because it's like you know our parents listening to like certain songs like back then probably didn't think of like that artist and be like they're going to like go down as like one of you know these famous well-known artists that like even our kids are going to know about them what are who are the artists today that would be those artists for like our kids so the like the company, most
2: famous well-known
1: yeah like, who do you think they're going to be like those artists that like you know, everybody knows their music. Whereas, you know, we listen to songs where we like this one or two songs that are popular for that artist. And like, you just know those songs. But then there's the artist that like, you know, a bunch of their songs.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Drake and Kanye are two main ones. I feel like Jay-Z is too old. Um, as far as like hip hop. Um, I mean, those are kind of the main two I can think of. Obviously, Justin Bieber will be massive for 100%. Taylor Swift. i am um, trying to think of like other, like. I
1: think Post Malone will be. So many hits off of like yeah, I mean, three albums.
2: But... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has three albums that are all still on the top 200 charts. Everyone listens to them. Everyone knows. Even like parents know who he is. Yeah. Um, like the older generation does. Um, that's a good question there's not that many i feel like but it's but the, but, do we but think that again, there's not that many or like is
1: this what they thought probably. decades ago because
2: dude i listened to the fucking uh what's the band called america that band right mm-hmm. like i doubt people listening to that thought that yeah. i would be listening to them in 2020
1: no but i love America. yes it's like, so it, it's like that's the conversation of this song was so popular a couple years ago. It's like, does it need a few years to age and then people like it? So well, will yeah, there be like there's there's that. Too, like, yeah. Will there be the artists today that like people might not like love? Like they might not be like the biggest artists right now, but in ten years or all of a sudden people are going to like start listening to their music again, or twenty years and be like, this yeah. guy was awesome. Yeah. Well, not that
2: happens with movies too. Oh my God, Step yeah. Brothers was known. Step Brothers was like ridiculed and like joked about that can't it. be possible. That's the best movie when it first came out. I'm telling you.
1: That's wild.
2: Yeah. And now it's like regarded as probably the best the best one of the best comedy ever.
1: Yeah. I can't believe that that, that was like ridicule when it came out. It's just well, it was just it
2: was the mainly the like people that review movies didn't really like it, and like you, like you can, can't
1: trust the movie reviewer. Like it's well, it their it. taste. But like, you can,
2: you can also Google it. It didn't do well in
0: the theaters. I'm not
1: like I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I just I personally like, I don't ever look at reviews of movies because the way I see it is, like that reviewer likes a certain like he has like his own taste. I watched movies that are like that have terrible reviews, but like loved the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, songs that aren't popular, I love the song, yeah. So, like, I think it just goes like we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like, there's no good music and bad music, there's good and bad to each person. Oh, yeah, it's that yeah. person's taste completely. So, like, with the reviewer, they might hate the movie, but like, yeah, millions of people might love it,
2: yeah. So, and, like, and that's what kind of frustrates me when people talk about ranking things and.
1: Like can't I can't like, rank like well
2: no you can it's because it's something that's fun to do. Like, I know yeah, can like, you rank our top five favorite but, songs but so we can talk about it? You can rank, but
1: there's no right answer.
2: Exactly. So that's where I when when people actually get mad at like when people visibly get mad at other people for yeah. having different rankings, that's where I'm like, all okay, right, relax.
1: Donda or certified love is better than donda. Yeah, it might be better to you.
2: Everyone has an opinion yeah. that one is better than the other. Every, yeah. No one's like, "Oh, these albums are like equally." No one's like, "I hate them both." Like, I feel like everyone either like one more than the other. Yeah, but I'm not gonna fault you because you no. like one more than the other. I listen Silly. to the weird,
1: like I listen to the weirdest fucking music in the world, and like I listen to something from every single genre. Mm-hmm. I don't have like, a genre that like is my favorite. I like something in everything. No, yeah. but like other people listen to some of the songs and be like, "This song sucks." Like, okay, I love it. Like, I think it's sick kind of thing. So like, I don't know, it's just totally off of each person's taste. There's no right answer. Mm -hmm. We like rap and hip hop, and like we're like looking at them like some of the best genres, and then somebody, some random person in the world's like, I like folk music. You know, like to them, that's the best music. To us, it's the worst. But neither well, one of us I, is well, I don't hate I'm just know. using folk as like an example. Um I folk, I love Montfort and Sons folk music right sure. there. Um, but like there's no right or wrong. It's right yeah. or wrong to the person, it's just their taste. Like the sense of like the best and the worst, like that's it's not real. Yeah. It's a construct of like your own imagination in that yeah. in that sense. Yeah. It's not right or wrong to anybody.
2: Yeah. I right, well. I think we gotta wrap this up because we've been going for a while. Yeah, Keep aren't gonna
1: listen. What are we at, Like an hour and a half. Yeah.